It is a beautiful day out here in the middle of somewhere. We are, uh, we're about to embark on a new journey into a land of milk and honey, also known as casinos, unless you're the person that's walking into a casino. Uh, this is episode six of out here in the middle, and you are listening to the fastest growing podcast in the middle of nowhere. I don't know what that really means, but at the same time, we're still moving. We're still grooving. Uh, and it is, it's awesome to get opportunities to sit down, uh, out here at the farm, talk to really amazing people and, uh, and, and get a, a viewpoint or perspective on something that I have no earthly idea about. Um, just a recap from, from the last podcast, uh, today we've got, we've got Danny back in the studio, Danny, you spent some time with the Marlers and the performance horse world. Uh, have you bought a horse yet? I'm working on it. <laughs> Danny didn't, didn't listen to what I was hoping. He, I thought he was going to just come out with a blatant no. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. You want one though? Yes. What are you going to do with a horse? Um, I don't know. Normally, <laughs> Hopefully right. the Marlers turn it into a champion and... Do all their stuff and sell it for a lot of money. Yeah, that's the idea. Dad, man, Marler Todd guaranteed me if I bought a ten thousand dollar horse, he'd turn it into a fifty thousand dollar horse. So I'm going to hold him to it. That, yeah. How much? How much chaffee are we going to have to sacrifice for this fifty thousand dollar horse? Uh, as much as needed. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> just wanted to take a couple quick seconds to thank some of our sponsors. One of our sponsors and a sponsor of mine for a long time has been Walls. Walls Outdoor Wear. Absolutely amazing product. I personally love their ditch digger pants. I know it's starting to get a little bit warm, but at the same time, those pants breathe amazingly well. They're super comfortable and they fit you, especially if you have a dad bod like me. If you want any more information about Walls Outdoor Wear, you can go to walls.com. Tell them Jay sent you. This podcast is sponsored by Chaffee, world-class alfalfa. Chaffee is grown in the shadows of the Guadalupe Mountains, the highest peak in the state of Texas. Our unique climate offers cool nights, warm days, and allows us to grow some of the finest forage on the face of the planet. For more information about Chaffee, please visit www.chaffee.com. So anyways, I was talking about casinos, which it sounds like the horse is a perfect segue to get into the casino, because to me, it seems like it's uh, cash out pretty hard. Uh, Joining us today is is Christian and Kimberly Salerno. They are, uh, well, they're now Chaffee dealers in Las Vegas, uh, but a very, very cool, interesting past. Um, I met them through social media. I met Kimberly through social media, which then was introduced to her husband, I'm going to let you tell the story of kind of how you got into the Chaffee world too, but more importantly, kind of what brought us to that point. So as I'm joking with Danny about buying horses, because I, I really don't want a horse. Uh, <laughs> the same time you guys have, you've got plenty and, uh, and you always need more is what I was hearing from your wife, <laughs> but <laughs> are you sure that was me? Yeah. <laughs> Positive. I, I, I heard that, that during the conversation. Addiction. Yeah. yeah. The horse addiction. Uh, I got to meet them last January. Um, I'm pretty sure that I had COVID and, uh, I was, I was not in good shape. I was just getting over whatever I had. I need to get tested for antibodies. We were talking about this morning. Um, and, and, you had an interesting conversation, Danny, with somebody today, you know, segueing into to COVID a little bit, uh, that they're counting people that test positive for antibodies uh, as yeah. COVID numbers. Yeah. So if you had it in January and you got tested today and you have the antibodies, apparently you, they rack you up for a positive, you know, you're, you add to the, to the number of positive cases. But does that, does, so does that reflect on today's positive cases? Yes. Which is. Why you're so disgusted with what's going on? Well, I mean, you know, you don't know what to believe, right? Right. Yeah. Well, just listen to mainstream media. They know everything. 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 So without further ado, before I get off into some rant on COVID and let Danny get fired up. And then yeah, don't you, let you, me get fired up. You're going to hear his legs start shaking over there on the other end of the table. Um, give us a little backstory, you two. I mean, how did you wind up in Dell City, Texas? You're going to go? 
It's your fault, Jay. Well, yeah. that's what I'm here for. That's so. I mean, I guess what we can just start out. You you know, you guys introduced got introduced by social media um, through my wife Kim. Really took an interest into the ag community. You know, we're we're actually just city folk. Come from the beach, Redondo Beach, California. Couldn't make it in California, really. Moved our business out to Las Vegas, where it was a little bit more business friendly. Um, you don't sound like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> that's that's a compliment. Thanks. Thank you. We try to wash out all the Californias. <laughs> so you're in California. What business are you in in California? We're still casino. Casino's been, my folks met in Las Vegas. Um, they ended up moving back out to California. My dad did all different things from, he was always been in the furniture business from skate board decks to fan blades and but he's always been somehow involved in the casino industry whether because he, he's a professional poker player um same with my my mom was one of the first women dealers in las vegas poker dealers now which was just a man's game but she left california too at 21 wanted to get out roundabout way my parent my folks met and then my dad started world gaming in the 70s and then he just did all different types of things from offshore sports betting and everything like that and as soon as I uh I got older and everything um I was 21 in a casino found myself 21 in a casino working for some banking corporations it's weird how the so how does that, I mean, when you say that you found yourself in a casino at 21, what were you doing? Nothing. <laughs> now is the time where we, should I have a pistol? Is somebody about to come to the door? No, I mean, I, I was, whatever, who cares? I mean, I was going to community college and stuff like that. And then, um, like I said, my dad's business partners had, um, like I said, it's called a banking corporation in California. The house cannot bank the game. So the money that you win, like playing blackjack and everything, um, Indian reservations are different. They're under, they're under a totally different umbrella. set of umbrella. They can do what they want. You know, they can be Vegas style. Um, but like you say, you play blackjack in a California casino, um, or something like that, more or less the law states that players have to play against each other. So like they would pass a button around and every player would always have the chance to be the bank, you know, have the dealer's hand. They put up, they can put up as much money as they want and they actually are the bank. So I know it's confusing. I'm trying to just squeeze it all in, but so oh, we got time. I'm, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so if you go to a California casino, you'll see some, you'll see somebody on like the end of the table with just, a stack of money and chips. Probably they keep about 30 to 40,000 in chips on that table. And that's kind of how they skirt around it, you know, and they are under the law. And then the house makes their money by you pay, you know, one to 10 or 10 to a hundred dollars. You pay a dollar, you know, every hundred dollars you put up, I think it is, or $10, you pay a dollar to the house. And that's how they're charging you to play. And that's just for like renting a seat at the table. Right. Yeah. Basically you're, you're pay to play. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just a pay to play thing. So and in Vegas, it's completely the opposite where the, the, you just can play, but the house gets your money. You so, know? so you find yourself in a casino as a bank. Yeah. Well, I work for a bank, the corporation. So okay. and then I started working for the corporation like that. And uh, so what did your job entail? I literally sat down and I monitored any of the games, whether it be Pi Gal, um, Blackjack. Pi Gal. Yeah. You know Pi Gal? Oh, yeah. What is Pi Gal? Uh, Complicated. It's, it's a just, it's a form of, uh, I don't even know how, how do I explain what's Pi Gal? It's a card game. And you have two hands and you have a top and bottom hand and, uh, you just, everybody gets seven cards and you break it into two hands and you play those two hands. One's two cards, the other one's five cards. And, um, you know, you play that off of the dealers, off the dealers, two hands, and that's how you, how you do it. And, um, it's actually, it's, it's complicated. It's not, it, it, it takes skill and there's a lot. We, we went through a lot of trainings, had to, cause we had to play a certain way. There was, cause there's math to it, right? So the banking corporations had math people in there and it was just like the blackjack. We had to play 
a certain way. It's not like we could just, you know, when they, cause they would buy hands from us and we'd play against the house. And this is weird. And when we had to play, we had to play by their rules, what their math said. So no matter what, it wasn't like we were gambling. Is it, is, is it, long story short, are we talking about you trying to make it as legal as possible, but it's just making sure that they had their hand in the middle of it? Who? No. Okay. No, no. I was reading the wrong, I was, I was in the wrong smoke jump there. No. Um, but that's kind of, that was kind of the thing is that we just, um, when did you meet Scarface? <laughs> <laughs> they're in, they're there. They're there. Um, but okay. So, so you're in California at that time and, and you guys made the decision that you're, well, we didn't leave. So then I, so that was it. I worked there for only a couple of years and then that's when some things fizzled out with those court, with the corporation, they split, there was all this stuff. And I just jumped in and then that's when I started working with for my dad about 22, 23. So what were you doing with your dad? Same thing, but just, you know, grunt work, you know, that type of thing running around for him, you know, when we're fabbing, you know, we did metal fab and stuff like that. So, um, and, and you guys were actually building casino equipment at that time. Yeah. That's and you what, still are. Yeah. That's what he, so that's what he started in the problem with casino equipment is casino equipment can stay in a casino for, 20 years, truthfully, mm -hmm. tables can last forever. So what he wanted to get into more it's of like coronavirus. Was, <laughs> was that's how we got into the felts and started doing felts. Felts is you turn felts right. every so many months. They wear out, right? They wear Super out. Fast. So it was always just a, it's a repeat, you know, repeat business. I mean, heck we had equipment in Cal cause we started the California casinos way back when yeah, we had equipment in there for 25 years, they still have some of it in there floating around. Um, so we had to find something that, you know, would keep us in there and keep money churning. So, um, that's how we got, that's how we started printing the felts, the blackjack felts, the poker felts, whatever it may be. And that's kind of where we are. And so then, I don't know, so many years later, you know, just keep, keep on going. Um, it was starting to get tough in California and we just picked up our stuff. It was getting real tough for us in California, to be honest. And, um, that's when we just made a world series of poker was a big client of ours, really big client. So we said, let's just make the move. So we're really local to world series of poker. Mm -hmm. And then that's when we picked all of our stuff up, picked up both families and just moved to Vegas and started setting up shop here. And now things have kind of, you know, things are. And how long have you been in Vegas? 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Um, so going from the beach to the desert, uh, how has that changed, Kim? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I mean, the beach is great, except for that it was overcast every single day. You're paying top dollar to look at clouds rolling and everything's way more expensive. There was absolutely no possible way we were going to be able to buy a house in California. And even in the roughest neighborhood, it was like, 400 grand for like the tiniest house. So for me, I just wanted a better life from our kids and I wanted to own our own home and I wanted us to be successful as a family. So I was all about it. I was fine. I mean, it's hot in the summer, but it's okay. worth it. That's we didn't it, have that. any of the things that we have today, the barn, the horses, any of that wouldn't even exist unless we were millionaires. And well, we ain't. <laughs> Not yet. So, so you guys are, you've moved to Vegas. Business has improved. Mm -hmm. um, you've you got all, we were talking right before COVID and you said that you had already secured some more business. And so things were pulling through COVID because I, the first thing I thought of was when they said, well, they're shutting Vegas down. And I'm yeah. like, I wonder what's going on with Christian. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I, I got, I got nervous, you know, you know, just because, um, but like, like we had said, we had had some really solid, if we hadn't had those deals that were going through right, just literally right before COVID hit, we would be having probably a different conversation, you know, right. There would have been, this would have been probably different, but it, we weathered it. We're blessed to be able to have gotten through it. Cause I know a lot of businesses right around us that didn't, that we knew personally, almost they did not make it. Yeah, and, it's really um, sad. it's really, uh, yeah. and I just, we, we just, even though it was a little rough, I mean, uh, there was about three weeks when I wasn't do nothing, 
But that was a, again, that was my felt side, our equipment side. Just luckily we got to keep our workers working, you know, because we had everything. They slowed us down because a lot of our components come out of Canada, our seating components come out of North America, come out of Canada and in California, um, there that we have such strong relationships in California, like all of our uh, foam, all of our molded seat foam and everything comes out of there. They come out of Canada. No, it's some of it comes out of Canada, but most of it comes out of um, Southern California. I think I got a sound bite for that. Take off hoser, eh? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, but when they really shut down, then we went stagnant for a little while when they shut, cause we couldn't get the chair components out of Canada for a while. And then, they shut down California pretty good and we couldn't get anything out of California for a while. So that's when we was kind of getting itchy, I guess you could say. So how much of, and this is something that I want to dive into on another podcast. So we're talking to some logistics guys that are, that are going to come out, but how much of the gaming world comes from China? Not, not the people that come over and gamble, but how much of the equipment? Because every time I've been to Vegas, yeah. I mean, there's, wow, so many You should people. see it on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> busiest. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot. A lot. So a lot of your metal fat, all your metal components and stuff like that come out. Um, heck, even some of the f- cheaper fabrics yeah. that we buy come out of China. Um, and, and and it's China, like uh, Taiwan, Korea. So what makes felt? Um, basically, well, for us, there's two main uh, yarns, and that's going to be your, that's going to be polyester's your main. Poly is your main. Uh, nylon is going to be your high end, and there's only a couple people that's doing a nylon, and that is actually, that's one of our specialties is a nylon fabric. Um, and us and one other company, probably I know in the country, if not, nobody else is really producing a nylon based product. It's very difficult. Um, it's, we have been developing that product over so many years. How do we get cotton in the felt? <laughs> so you can, but here's the problem with cotton is that, so we do a dye sublimation process. Um, and, uh, you can't dye sublimate cotton. Cotton doesn't die like your like my banner up here. This is all like a polyester based um, uh, fabric. fabric. Yes, sorry, substrate, whatever. And um, but it, the cotton won't take won't take the the dye when it's and especially when it's heated up like that because you're transferring at about four hundred degrees. Okay. So that's the problem with cotton. And um, so if you're if you're rolling out a blackjack table, is it is it like screen printing on top of the felt or is it dyeing the felt to that? So we start with a white fabric. Now, if you're now, um, if you, when, when there is a company that does actually do screen printing on it and they do that on a nylon, um, very good product. It's our biggest competitor, um, but they're the, they're one of the biggest gaming uh, suppliers in the world. Um, How competitive is that marketplace? Um, it is, there's a lot of, there's a couple big guys in the game and, you know, and a lot of times with these bigger, like we don't, we don't get into it. We, we try and actually, when we do our sales and everything, the people we like to sell to are like kind of the smaller, like our California casinos are our best customers. You know, they're just big enough for us since we're a small family business, you know, it's not too overwhelming. Um, and these, but these bigger, bigger guys, like let's go to your MGMs and your, you know, those guys, the Sands corporations and stuff. They're tough to do business with for a small guy like us. They really are. You know, they I hate to say it. They're tough to get paid. I mean, you know, I mean, that's they, why they're the biggest, that's, you know, it's tough to get paid at their tables too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for us, our little niche, what we like is like those 50, 60 poker room, guys, you know, and, and that aren't, and what's coming out right now is you guys here in Texas opened up card rooms, open up card rooms and what that we're, we're doing pretty good with the, with, with Texas right now and them opening up, we've, you know, we're between, we do a lot of distributing. We do a lot of OEM for guys. And, um, so a lot of guys, salesmen, just their own thing. They come to us, they buy all their stuff and they sell it to those casinos. We really don't even have a salesman. 
you know. They just come to word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth from us. And then, like I said, like our Oklahoma, all of our, we have a ton of Oklahoma business, but what we have is we have salesmen out like that work for another company and they just buy it from us. They use their, because a lot of licensing issues, especially with Indian reservations and the licensing is expensive. Mm -hmm. They sell a bunch of other stuff, but they come to us to get all the felts and everything and equipment, whatever it is. And they just sell it. We don't care. Right. I mean, so I've never owned a poker table or anything like that, but say you wanted to build a really nice poker table, mm -hmm. you know, what does a poker table cost? For you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a plus 25%. How many bags of chaff? Hey, exactly. Let's do a trade. Okay. So let's the ones that we're just developing now um, have the USB ports in it and everything like that. Charge your phone. All that good stuff, you know. Um, and I've never been to one of those kind of casinos. <laughs> they're just no. starting to; those are they're just starting to really put all that stuff in and everything. Um, but it'll run you about if you're just a guy off the street coming in to get it and have the table fully loaded, eh, about thirty five hundred, four thousand. Now you you don't have to have all those bells and whistles and still have a nice table and be somewhere probably around um, two thousand. We could, we could go down from there too, you know, just, it's just and, like buying a car. Yeah. You know, it's just how, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with what it? What yeah. do you want to do with it? You Can know, you make me one that just, you win. If I'm, if it's my table, I win all the time. <laughs> I, I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, yeah, there's a magnet. Yeah. Right. Put on one. All those, you know, all those funny, funny little is, roulette tables. Oh my gosh. Huh? The roulette tables. Oh. Yeah. If you could just make that. Oh, just make that mm -hmm. thing just land in the right spot every time. Make yeah. the ball land in the right place. Yeah, yeah. I wish. So do you guys gamble? No. No. Not at all. I, my parents absolutely didn't want that me to live that type of life because it was such a roller coaster. And working in the casino when I was 21, I saw people lose their life gambled their life away they gambled and i felt horrible for them while i'm taking i mean while i'm having to collect that money that they've just lost and somebody's sitting there with their hand in their face saying i just gambled away my 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 rent my rent yeah. my my food money yeah. and not knowing what to do you know i felt you know you see the other side i saw the other side of it real quick and um Plus, I have no self-control either, and I learned that a long time ago, so I don't gamble. I try, you know. Right, right. <laughs> we'll go, you know. It's a habit I'm glad he doesn't have. Yeah. Right. We're trying no. to break other ones. Let's not add one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the horse addiction's getting real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about, you mentioned the, the card rooms, and I just, I noticed them maybe about a year ago. I, I drove by a couple of them in San Antonio, and I yeah. I just saw something, you know, poker room or something like mm -hmm. that, and I thought, what in the world is that? What, Tell us a little bit about what that is and what, what's kind of driving so, it. So it's pretty new. I mean, so what ended up happening is I guess Texas at one point said, okay, you guys can, you can open up. And all these card rooms and these guys tried to hop on it and get open. Essentially a bunch of guys that are coming out of a garage somewhere. It, coming out of all different areas. You know, it's Texas Hold'em is Texas Hold'em. You right. know what I mean? For a reason. So they, it was always here, you know, but, um, so they finally got to get to come out more or less and now open up more or less legitimately. And, um, they, uh, shut it, but now, and, and I don't know why they all started to open up and then Texas shut it down again hmm. and they cut it. So they put them all almost out of business right away. Don't, I don't know the, the real backstory of exactly why they shut it back down. Um, but then they reopened it again. Okay. So now they're all, back up again and now and now it looks like it's good clean they're able to do it um they are membership based from what i can okay. understand so, so that's how a, they make their money it's it's a club yeah so okay. it's actually like a private club and membership based and they do certain different things i believe with like the exchange of money and stuff like that um i'm not exactly sure it's it's, it's new i've been trying new. to if it's in texas you'd probably just 
you know, if depending on what the bet is, it's either a case of 12 gauge shotgun shells or <laughs> four Lone Star beers. Bacon. Yeah. Now they don't only have I'll play for bacon. bacon. Yeah, right. like bacon. Um, so it's only poker though. They're pushing to get other games in and everything like that. Um, you know, I mean, if you, have, and it's going now and I, and I don't, I'm not super familiar with, uh, Texas areas, but you know, the, the Asian culture is truly, you know, they love, they love to gamble. There's no, you know, there's no real secret. So they've got a lot of those card rooms going up in, um, in and near those areas. And they're going to probably make a huge push to, and I know they're already pushing to open up things like easy Baccarat, which is just huge, huge game. Um, any, anywhere like that. So, you know, I know they're pushing to do that, but right now it's just, it's just poker rooms. And, um, they're, I mean, we have guys that are trying to open up 22, 22 clubs. Um, you know, they're going hot. They're moving, moving hard on right. these things. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, are you a poker player, Danny? Uh, not really. I, I'll play. I don't, you know, yeah. I'm not, uh, I used to enjoy, Vegas a whole lot more than I do now. And that's, that's the other question I have for you guys over the past, I don't know when it was, but I remember going to Vegas and um, realizing that even the blackjack tables, they changed the game, right? Uh, They've, they've changed the odds a little bit. They do all these little side bets and you can't get the, the odds that we used to get. And I'm thinking they've taken a lot of the fun out of it in a way. My, if you're not a gambler, especially blackjack, then um, then I guess they think it's funner because you got these side bets and you really don't know what you're doing. But if you really kind of enjoy blackjack and, and you do understand that the odds are okay, they're not in your favor, but they used to be a little yeah, bit Yeah, you better. just want to go down there, sit down and just play an easy game of yeah, blackjack. Exactly. And I There's know, not very many tables. When I tell you that my felts and my design and, and the things that we have to do is because everybody wants a side bet. You know, everybody wants to put their side bet. There are so many different side bets that go around. I can't even keep track of what the side bets are that they request is being printed onto their felts. Right. Just cannot. And all the, I get, I get, a you know, my brain starts turning right now, just talking about it, you know, and, um, it makes it difficult on me just as, as the felt designer to keep up with it. Everybody has different odds, everything. And it's just, those odds are so it's the lottery. Truthfully, once you get in with those side bets, but that's what they want. They want you to bet that side bet they want. So what they want is so you to see, man, if I bet $5, I'm going to win $20,000. If I bet this $5 on this side bet. Right. But it's a, you know, it's one of those things where it's a, whatever the odds are that you hit it. You know, and so it's, that's fast money. Truthfully, it's fast money for the casinos, you know? Yeah. Um, But I know exactly what you're saying. Cause I, I, I like just the old school. If I'm going to go sit down at a table, I just want to go hit my 21, you know what I mean? And that's it. Yeah. I don't want to have to hit this, this, or cause that, and that's what it is. There's different, different hands. You have like games from heads up poker, chase the flush, um, down under blackjack. I mean, I could, I could, I could run through so many games. Um, yeah, that's a that good way to get yourself into a big old pickle right there. Go to down into blackjack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I know exactly, I know yeah. exactly what you're saying. And I, I, you know, I think obviously they know what they're doing, right? They, I mean, they, that's why they build those big buildings and they, they can build all these great places, but it just really has taken some of the fun out. Last time we were in Vegas um, was for the Shot Show at the beginning of this year, and um, the Shot Show. He went to Shot Show. I was I hung out with you guys. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right, oh, that's, uh, that's right. Okay, yeah. for some I, reason I thought I you were died for a day and a half in the hotel room, <laughs> yeah. and then then I went and spread everything to you guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> but that was probably the first time I'd ever been to Vegas and didn't. I mean didn't even walk by a table and, mm-hmm. and, and slow down to, to look at it. it mm-hmm. used to, and I used to be able to sit at a blackjack table for hours, hours, right. several hours. And it, I just lost interest because of all of that stuff. It just seems like it's changed it's so overwhelming. much. Yeah. And used to be, you know, go find the right table and go make sure that there weren't people sitting yeah. in the wrong places that didn't know how to play and all. And now it d- doesn't seem like it matters because all those side bets, people aren't really paying attention to, 
Blackjack to Blackjack, the cards. Right. Yeah, they're just you know they're just know, throwing money it. out there and hoping something yeah, happens. Hopefully, right. I, I I have kept a little tally on every time that I've gone and, and gambled, and I'm not a very big gambler. Uh, we're huge gamblers. What are we talking about? Yeah, we're farmers. Card game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's get that straight real quick. But uh, but I've made money in casinos uh, four times um, out of probably forty five times. Right. And the last time when I was in Vegas with you guys, after I'd finished up, I went back and got a hot toddy and sat down at a table, which is a real good thing to do. And uh, I made 1800 bucks. And I was like, I was like, oh man, this is, this is awesome. And uh, I remember the morning I was leaving, I got up and went down and I was like, I'm just gonna throw $10 on the deal. You know, did you lose it all? No, 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 no. no. But I, I lost that $10 in the first hand and I reached my hand in my pocket to grab my wallet. And I was like, this is how they win. Yes. Like, exactly. you know, <laughs> this is how they win. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to take my, my 1790 yeah. and I'm, I'm out the door. And, uh, it's just amazing to me how people are, are wired in such different ways. There's, we're, we all suffer from an addiction of some, some sort or the other. Mine, unfortunately is nicotine. Uh, but at the same time to watch people. And I had a bunch of buddies that got into online gambling, mm-hmm. um, the, on the late end of college, and some of them lost everything. Oh, I mean, they, they, and what stories. they were doing was taking their student loan money and they were gambling with their student loan money. And then they weren't able to finish college because they had no cash to pay the, the college. Yeah. And it was on a 12%, you know, interest. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. So that, that scared me bad enough that I thought, well, if we're going to gamble, at least we're going to get to see what we're gambling every day with. I mean, if you, for the most, I think there was something out there that said, you know, a lot of times in the very first, like, 20 minutes or something like that is usually like you'll, you know, if you get hot in like the first 20 minutes and you win your money, you're supposed to just, and you should always have a number in your head. Like, okay, if you're, if you're going to make going out there to go make money, you have to, you have to have a, you know, discipline. And that's the thing um, to, to just get up and walk away. Cue you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> some days my dad would, some days my dad would go to the poker rooms and he would be there for 15 minutes. He would win two big pots and then you got to get up. Other days though, um, he'd be there for when I was real, when I was younger and that's what he was doing. Um, 48 hours, he'd be sitting at a table, no sleep. And then he, just because, you know, trying to get, catch the card. And also you got to have the bankroll to be able to do it. You know, if you don't have the bankroll to back up, if you're gambling, that's another thing. People go in there with not enough money to sit there. Cause you yep. got to be able to sit there. And I'm talking poker here, right? Pokers, right. pokers, you know, but like the blackjack tables and stuff like that. That's a, that's a little bit different animal. Um, but, uh, you got to be able to just get up and not do exactly what you say. Cause that's what happens. The worst things I've seen people do is when they pull a handle on a slot machine and they win the jackpot. Oh yeah. yeah that's yeah. it for a lot of people because now they think that it, it happened once it's going to happen again. I've had a couple people that, you know, even some workers, unfortunately we found out were very degenerate gamblers and we paid that price when they robbed us. Um, but, <laughs> another, <laughs> um, another story. Um, that was probably when I heard the stories before I kind of knew who he was or what it was. And he was a, such a good, truthfully, deep down, he was just such a good person. I knew it, you know, you know, when somebody's good, but he had that demon, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what it was. And he had, he told me he won $10,000 once pulling a slot machine handle and, and it just, him. and it just sounded like it was, that was like the end. He always was supposed to win that te- keep winning that $10,000 poll. Right. And, um, You'll lose everything on the way. And it's just, you know, and it, it, it destroys people. I mean, my grandfather was a habitual lottery player. Like he just loved to play the lottery. And I remember growing up, I would go in and they had a, in their bedroom, they had a desk up against big windows that the sun was always in, in the morning. And this is after he'd retired but every morning when I would go in there, he would sit, you know, he'd have his cup of coffee and then he would very quietly get up and he would go back into his room and go sit down at his desk in front of the bed. And he was in there writing all the time. And I'm like, man. And so I'd walk by and I'd see numbers and numbers and numbers. And I'm like, wow, I, I don't know what kind of accounting he's doing, but that, that's pretty impressive. Well, later on to realize <laughs> that every lotter, lottery ticket he ever purchased was documented. 
and he started going through to see if there was some kind of sequential number oh that gosh. went that wow. went into it. And not to the point that it was just he had a file full of numbers. He had file cabinets full of, wow. I mean, just going through different, you know, I guess that's your start of algorithms. But he was just trying to figure out exactly how the lottery was going to work and how he was going to win it. Never won it. But but he's got the records to show from when he started to when he wow. finally stopped yeah. buying tickets. It was amazing. I, I watched a, um, can't remember what I was watching. It was you know, a news deal or some interest interesting uh documentary but it's probably on cnn <laughs> <laughs> no. she said interesting, i'm though. fairly certain yeah oh because i was home <laughs> so the um you got a jab danny right yeah um so there was there were some state lotteries one of them was in massachusetts and the other one i think was in new jersey this was not that long ago i think it was a couple years ago and there was a couple <coughs> oh you were telling yep. yes and then also so the older couple had figured something out and they basically started taking investors. So you could go to this couple and give them, you know, a couple hundred bucks or whatever. And uh, they, they shared it just with their friends and their close family, but they were winning consistently this lottery. Really? They figured out that if you bought enough tickets, you know, they figured out the number of Amount the number of tickets. tickets you needed to have. Right. And there was this, you know, it was like a Powerball or something yep, like yep. that. So they started winning to the point where they were winning lotteries like monthly. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know? And they like, were just like million dollar. Yeah. yeah. No, these are, these are big lotteries. So they're, they're paying back their people and everybody's mm-hmm. like, well, shoot. Yeah. Here's some more. Here, take, you know, and they kept on doing this at the exact same time, a group of students in Boston, either at uh, yeah. MIT or one right. of the, one of them, yep. they figured out a similar thing and they started doing the same thing. And eventually the States, Caught it. Caught it because the older couple were driving. I, I think they in New Jersey, they stopped it or something. So they realized that Massachusetts was still doing it. So they would drive, rent a hotel room, and literally buy hundreds of thousands of tickets. And they're sitting there with, they show them in their hotel room, you know, kind of going through, pulling out winners, you know, just like, okay, here we go, here we go. And then finally the states realize, hey, something's up because... This store and this store and this store have sold 600,000 tickets, in right. the, you know? Yeah. And, but so they finally figured out, hey, these guys have, they've. they've figured it out. Yeah. They got the key to, to winning and they were they winning a lot more it. than they were My spending. My grandfather is so mad right now. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a very, it wasn't like the big lottery. You know, this yeah, was yeah. a state no, lottery no. that they had created and whoever created it, the mathematician who created it, you know, must be the, you know maybe not the best mathematician in the country right. because there was a flaw and they figured it out and they made, they made an awful lot of money and it was perfectly legal. It was, you know, they didn't, yeah, they weren't rigging anything. No, they so were just buying. it's funny that you say that because going back to that banking corporation, those guys were all professional gamblers and what they did is, you know, they figured out the mathematics, you know, your edge and whatever, when you play blackjack. So obviously you can't count cards. You can't do that stuff. They'll kick you out. So, but in the, the way that, the casino actually can tell if you're counting cards normally is by your the size of your bets. So if they see you're betting ten dollars, ten dollars, or ten dollars, uh, all of a sudden five hundred. Uh, you're counting cards. You know that deck is heavy. You yeah. know, yeah. and um, so they figured out a system. Their best one. Most they all were pretty much out of the. Las Vegas casinos, but um, what they would do is they found it where the club couldn't or the casino couldn't really tell. I think their bets ranged. It had to be an amount between like they played with it between two and six hundred per hand is what they would bet. Could you imagine sitting down at a table and just throwing six hundred dollars out on a hand that is going to take a minute and a half? A minute, and, a minute and a half is a long hand. And that, oh, yeah. That's a long hand. If, I'm, it's going, it's if I'm sitting at the table, it's going to be a minute and a half because I'm sitting there going, eh, do I hit it? Do I oh, you're the one guy. Where everybody's yeah. like, hurry oh, up. Just hurry up, man. And they're but, like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and split kings. Yeah. <laughs> but, they, and that, but, you know, the funny thing is their math, the way they, if they played a certain way, they would. That's what they, against a certain card, it had to be that, you know, like your sixes or say, you know, yeah. Yeah. or something like that. But they, there's no, there's, you know, they, I'm sure they, thought about it so that way it didn't look too suspicious but there was a way that they played that there was no question 
of what they were going to play that certain way. They were going to bet a certain amount and everything like that. And then that's just how they, they beat the house and that's how you beat the house, you know? Yeah. Um, but the first thing, as soon as they get catch wind of it, you're out. You you want to know how I beat the house every time? The buffet. <laughs> that's how yeah. I can beat the house. Oh, not anymore. Yeah. I can. Not yeah, anymore. I know I'm on my 75 hard right now, but man, before that, I <laughs> like four plates. I'm like, is that a chimichanga on a waffle? I'll take two. <laughs> Uh, now those buffets are getting so expensive. What do you got? Like going to the Bellagio buffets, like 80 bucks yeah. or something like that. Now, I mean, I can, eat, I can eat through that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I just, we never go. I, 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 would, I can't that. take her He's to like, a buffet. That's an expensive meal for you to eat like a bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think they're done, right? No more buffets. Not right now. No. Vegas no, is yeah, it's, I, it's right now, really no. one of those things. Where, yeah. yeah what, a, big COVID what a kill no. my dreams. Yeah. But you you kind of think about that and you wonder... Because COVID, in you, you think about um, what it did to the country, right? But then you you, it's like Vegas. Everything in Vegas, as far as the strip is concerned, because a lot of people don't realize there's a big city out there, and it's it's yes, it's separate, right? Yes. No, yes. they don't. They think we live in, in the, yeah. Hotel, everybody, yeah, yeah they think right. Yeah. Where are you from? Oh, which hotel do you live? Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> you live at the Wynn? Yeah. yeah. What? That's not space. Yeah. yeah, but for the for the for that piece of Vegas. Everything about it is just, it's not like you can just say, hey, well, you know, it's going to affect 10% of our business. It's going to affect the entire business, the right. hotel, the restaurants, the gambling. And it's, you just, it's catastrophic, right? I mean, so what is, yeah, what, to, to tie onto that, what is Vegas like right now? I don't know. I mean, so it's, it's busy, you know, and I, when, one thing is, is that you actually have people coming out from California because they want to get out. Oh. They, they want to go eat somewhere. At least our restaurants are open yeah, and stuff open like that. We're open, but so they have the buffets. The buffets are down. No shows right now. No shows. No shows. Um, casinos are open. Yeah. I mean, certain. The, the companies opened up certain of their, like, flagship, let's say flagship properties are open. You know, yeah. um, Stations Casinos, the lower. Stations Casinos, actually, they shut down. I think they shut down both Fiestas. I can't remember. One of them's gone. The Henderson Fiesta is gone. A couple places went down. Um, and like I said, their f flagship properties have opened up and they're busy. Um, some people, for the most part, I think they all went with the screens. Um, they did. They put the screens up wherever they could. I don't know if they necessarily have them at blackjack tables. It's three, pe three people to blackjack table right now um and i just saw something pop up on my phone um from local news and i was telling her it looks like they came back around circled back and now they're making everybody wear a mask at the tables i believe that's what they say but i, I spoke to a guy on on the i spoke to a doctor yesterday on my flight coming in and uh and he's a general practitioner in the hospital and asked him about the mask deal. I said, tell me what your professional opinion is on a mask. And he said, listen, he's like, if you're wearing a, a mask and you don't have your eyes completely protected, he said, it's not going to do anything. He said, because there is so many particles fly, floating around in the air that you're going to get it anyway. And, yeah. and I, you know, I mean, Christian, me and you have joked around about masks a little bit. And, yeah. to, and to people that have underlying health issues, I understand that they need to be concerned Correct. about what's going Correct. on. At the same time, you know, there's a point in time where you get and you're just like, I'm done. Like the perfect storm that we're living in now with this. If, if you don't think that this thing has been designed, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail. Yeah. But I can't yeah. help it. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's hard. very hard. It's very hard. hard. Getting but a little itch on the back of my yeah, neck. I, right I know. Now. <laughs> Trust me. Let's, let's switch to horses. School and I will tell you firsthand, it's been a very difficult process. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's interesting, too, though, that we've had so many things come at the same time. I mean, it's like, it's like Armageddon, man. And the fact that, you know, 2019 was... A rough year for ag, at least. Then we started to see some hope that, that hey, we've got the China, China deal is getting itself ironed right. out. We've got the USMCA. We're going to start trading more with Mexico and Canada. Uh, you know, things are starting to roll in the right direction. Everybody has a little pop of, hey, we're going to make it through this next year. And then, Bang. boom, COVID. And then, boom, we've got riots. riots. And, and I mean, it just continues one thing after the next. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's we've got to start throwing virgins and volcanoes or this thing's going to get even worse. Right. Um, 
Danny hit the nail on the head, though. Let's talk about horses. Okay. Round two. Ding, ding. Here we go. Horses. How in the world did somebody that grew up on the beach in California get to a point where you're selling chaffee in Las Vegas, Nevada? Well, I mean, again, go back. You guys... We were, you had, but, 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 but before we get, before we get into, you know, I mean the connection between all of us. Okay. Why horses? That's what I'm saying. He had horses when he was younger. Grandmother, grandmother. my, my Nana, she had horses. Yeah. Good old Nana. She had horses. Italian Nana. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. Welsh Nana. Oh no way. Really? Yeah, Yeah. Welsh Nana. Um, my, my father's side is New York. I was, in fact, I was telling Sarah about that. The uh, hockey went, cow down there by the bottom. That's Boston. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Syracuse. He went to Syracuse university. Um, he grew up in, uh, Holly, New York, um, Niagara Falls. So, and that his whole family is still out there. He just was, it wasn't for him. He wanted out of, he wanted out of the cold. He didn't, couldn't do the cold. And it was just, that what lifestyle wasn't for him. And that's when he came out, he started working for some architecture places. He owned some nightclubs. I was like, mm, really? <laughs> My dad, uh, you know, right. Yeah. Whatever works, man. Pay yeah. the bills. You gotta do what you gotta but do. But anyway, so, um, uh, central California, Paso Robles, um, up there. That's where my grandma had a house and that's where she had horses. And I loved horses. I grew up with horses. Mm, you know, every summer, that's where I'd spend my time. And, um, I loved them, but it just wasn't attainable in Southern California. It was so expensive. Right. Um, but then like randomly our daughter, yeah. I don't know if she was like born with the itch or whatever, but <clears throat> when we moved to Vegas, I, it was like, she just, she didn't do the normal girl dolls, nothing like that. She always had imaginary horses she was riding them. She used to make me open the trunk of my car to load them. Like it was just in her head. She was going to be a horse person, whether we wanted that lifestyle or not. She had made the decision. So I think when we moved there, we tried to reach out to a couple places around because at that time we lived in kind of like the city area. Um, wasn't very horsey. And they kind of just told us, well, she has to be five. That's kind of like the going age before it's safe for her. Like, I don't know if that's an insurance thing there. But um, so when we finally were able to get her involved in the horse community, it just we just loved every ounce of it. When we actually. The people. Uh, yeah, the people. Yeah. When we Love actually moved before we moved there, we would come often and look at like we didn't know anything about Vegas other than the strip, like most people. And so when we we're going out there, we we're kind of like, well, where do we want to live? What's kind of like the, the ideal spot? And we kept going back to the area that we actually live in now. And we were just like, I really like it out here. Like all the houses are farther apart. They're not on top of each other. You have yards and it was just that, but we ended up not because everyone was like, you, you, you need to start. live here. You should you live, live here, here in the city. And the, you know, this Note is to a self, good part. Don't listen to others. So, yeah. Do your own research. Yeah. So we did um, end up eventually moving out towards where we are now. But on that path, we bought a horse and uh, we boarded for a while. And that got real old, old when you can't ride your horse as much because you have to make the time to tra- travel somewhere else. And. Um, it gets expensive because you're paying for your horse to stay somewhere. And it was just, I wanted to have the horses at our house. Like I w- and we wanted to add, we wanted more horses. Well, more horses, more board, more the, the money. I mean, not that the money isn't still rolling out. <laughs> you worn horses. It's the imaginary horses were cheaper. Were yeah, way they were cheaper. Much, had I known. Maybe, maybe I should get one of those. Yes. I, I fully support your decision for an imaginary horse. <laughs> Yes. They're very trainable. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was a perfect excuse for me when my daughter said, oh, you know, I want to get into horses because I, it was just, oh, it was always my dream to have a horse, you know, and stuff like that. And um, so. You wanted to share that experience with yeah. her. Yeah, and so we just, I, you know, we went and bought a horse and, um, you know, and then it just kind of, kind of spiraled from there. And uh, she fell in love with, like I said, I don't know. She, I don't know if she had ever thought when she was younger that she was going to have a house, you know, chickens, pigs and everything like that, you know, coming out of the city. But it was just very, it was very attractive. So let's let's talk about that for just a little bit, because 
your love for agriculture, not growing up in agriculture, the way I was told was you were trying to find answers in food. Correct. Yes, correct. Absolutely. hundred percent. So, so in your quest to figure out what you should be feeding yourself and how it's produced, what have you found out? I, I found out that labels are a bunch of crap. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of bad stuff and fallacies going around about your food and do not use Google. Don't Google it. No, wait, hold on. Are Every, you kidding me? Google. <laughs> I mean, not, please don't use Google to find out about your food. Call, ask farmer, yeah. you know. We just, uh, we came from the beach, very pretentious. Organic this, organic that. Whole Foods is the only place you yeah. could go to oh, find yeah. something. We couldn't choose to not feed into their propaganda. And we started feeding into it. We did. We started. We lived a block away from most general stores. That was all they carried. I mean, it was just getting to the point where it just didn't make sense. Like your generic family of four, let's say, how can you manage, especially living in California, to feed your family on a $7 granola bar? I don't understand that. What? Right. It doesn't make sense. Right. I started thinking like, what's is it really true like what and then you start trying to do your own research on the internet which is like you know you're but it was just not you're never getting uh i didn't know what to believe kind of like media you know you just don't know what's true and what's not and so i started following a couple ag related on meat farmers actually started with meat meat ranchers on uh instagram and i learned so much and i think that was a great communication tool because you can direct message them and they are just super responsive. Everybody is so friendly and so willing to give the proper information. And then they video it too. And it's just like, you get that connection. That's the, missing they gave you the good, the bad, the ugly the about store it and picking up your food. And yeah. I think that's like a huge missing point in most People lose that connection. Truthfully, you lose your connection of where your food food actually comes from. Oh, let's just go to the grocery store. That's where my food comes from. No, your food doesn't come from a grocery store. Right. I think there's a pretty famous politician that said something to the effect of we don't need farmers because we have grocery stores. Yeah. Yeah. You like, I like, I like that one. And I like the other one that it's easy to be a farmer when you're, when your plow is a pencil and you're. Oh Jesus. Yeah. So at at the same time, you're doing your research. You're finding out where your food comes from. What concerns do you have about the agricultural community today? I concerns? Mean, what, my only concern is that not enough people are connecting with that. Like that's a, we learned so much and we have so much more uh, respect for where our food come from and how it's, and, and it's very important that our children right. are exposed to it. So we're doing our best to expose our children to and learning all those. Having people too. like you, you know, we did, she does, we have a couple other, you know, farmers that are out there and pushing it and coming out against what I think is, a, you know, I kind of look at it as a movement against the American farmer, truthfully, in, in a lot of instances and having you guys, people like you out there on Instagram, educating people about it. I think that's, you got to fight, I guess, let's say fight fire with fire because they're using this social media and stuff like that again, insert against agriculture, against your meat farmers and everything like that. Dairy. dairy. They're using it against the dairy farmers, which there's just so much of it's just not true. And it's, it's sad. It's a little heartbreaking that people are out there trying to do that to just uh, what we, we feel like are hardworking people just yeah. out there busting but every day, hours and hours a day. So just where where you, do you get your food? What, what give me a give me a day so, in the life? I mean, we still shop at uh, you know warehouse stores and stuff like that, but we definitely shop local when we can. And even I shouldn't even say local because I think that's another gap. Is that when people think, oh, I want to buy local, they go to their farmers market. Well, not every neighborhood has the best farmers market. I mean. I will give California that they have amazing farmers markets where I feel like Las Vegas is, is not yeah. super great. Um, just because I think there's not that many local farms right. in the area, yeah, depending just on where you live, but you can buy from direct from a farmer. It's just 
how do you do that? And I don't think that, I think that's the gap missing for sure. We try and buy like, you know, we try, I mean, like, you know, when we go to our honeys, we try and buy our honeys from, you know, our local guys, our local beekeepers. Um, we just bought a couple gallons of, of maple syrup, right? Straight from Vermont. I can't remember the girl's name. The One of the farmers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, we, for our meat, um, especially when COVID hit, um, we just go to our, Cattle ranchers. Our cattle ranchers that are local, and I just call them up. We call them up, set, had them send a cow to the butcher, and I went and picked it up at the butcher, and that's how we'll... we'll and it's keep, good, right? It's, well, that's it, one thing Vegas has, which I think a lot of people don't realize, or I shouldn't say Vegas, Nevada has huge cattle ranch farms. Like, it's a lot of cattle ranch. So that was that's an easy access. But even that, we're just... We're fortunate to be in that community that we would know who to contact. Right. And we had many of friends just that we are city folk, we call like that work with us or in a different type of community that were texting us and saying like, OK, what do we do? We just we went to the this covid. I think that is the only positive that might have come. And I mean, I'm sure there are other, but I'm trying to take the positive is that I think I hope that it caused a spark in the common consumer because they walked into a grocery store and there wasn't food there. And mm -hmm. so then now they're like, what do I do? Because that was their convenience. And they never thought that that would be a luxury that they didn't have. And now they're trying to figure out how do I put food on my table if it's not there? We do check. I mean, we, when we go in there, I'd say we, we, we try and look for um, the foods that are grown in the USA, you know, and stuff like that. So we try and buy, you know stuff that's grown in our, in the country and stuff like that. Um, well, it's just like, and even meeting some of the farmers, I shouldn't even say, I say, I call Insta friends, um, <laughs> because they're only social media connections, but it was just like when we were buying some products that you've been buying all the time and had no idea who the farmer was, I grew it. And now we just bridged that gap. Yeah. That's a super cool thing. You know, you didn't even realize because you're just buying a product and there's no face behind it back. Now you and buy now, something and that's fun. I think I find fun. it fun to be able to buy. I mean, that, that okay, let's go. That goes right into Chaff Hay. Right. Okay. We knew Jay. Jay said, hey, try this product out. You probably walk by it in Cal Ranch every day. We did. And we did. Didn't know what the what the heck it was at all. And But then he said, it's my product. And so she told me, I'm like, ah, crap, half a dozen bags. Let's do this. Let's support the farmer. And then that's kind of how it came we started Spiraled. feeding it, and then it. Changed I still say it changed our changed my our horse's life. Yeah. One of our horses that we like was our baby. We loved. It was having so many issues that turned out to be digestive issues that this stuff solved it. Period. I don't care what anybody says, and so that's why um, we have a, a an emotional connection. You know, I was going to get rid of a horse that I sat down. And I hate to say it, I, sat, I sat in my driveway and cried. Okay, because I thought I was going to have He's to get so rid of this sensitive. horse. I am, you know, but I did. And I thought I was going to have to get rid of that horse. And I love that horse. And I it started feeding chaff hay. 30 days later, I have never had an issue with that horse. And that's the only thing that changed in that horse's life. So that's my, that was how, that's truly how we became. And then I, then feeding it through our other horses, we saw so many different things with each horse. You know what I mean? Just from hay bellies going away to the cough going away on the mini horse because she probably was inhaling that dust and stuff like that. I mean, we can go on and on. You know, there was a lot of little things. Mini horses are kind of like my spirit animal. Like, you know, I mean, I, I relate with the mini horse. We got about the same size legs. Anyways. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's how it was. And we kind of, nobody had heard of it. And we looked. We were like, this is like a golden egg, man. Like, and that's why we. we well, I think the thing is, it's like I was telling Jay, he's like, oh, yeah, you're, the hay is in, inside. Nobody buys hay inside. So you don't think about it. Like you're walking by the feed and it's in, in a pallet inside the store. You don't think and about so, that being your everyday. No, because right. your, your idea of picking up hay from the feed store is like, you, oh, you take your truck to the back. The right. guy loads it up, you tip him, you leave, you know. But it wasn't. It, that's I think that was another misconnection. And then, you know, once we realized how great it was, I was kind of banging on Jay's door about it. Like, you got to let us spread the word. Yeah. Yeah. They, what we, we wanted, wanted to, to jump do. in. And you guys have done it. And, and it seems like it's growing over there. It is. Oh, no, it is. People are every person that we put on this stuff is successful with it. They But they have to stick with it. That's a, that's what I would. That's how we go to people. Just stick with it. Give it a chance. Some horses don't take to it right away, you know, but you got to. 
look, you have to force them. I always equate it to your children, right? Right. You know what's best for your children. You know Broccoli. what I mean? I mean, obviously, if you, if you set a Krispy Kreme donut up next to, yeah, your steamed broccoli or something like that, you know, they're going to eat that Krispy Kreme donut. If you don't tell them, no, you got to eat your broccoli. Right. Because that horse that we had trouble with, she did. She was stubborn. She didn't want to eat it. But there was, you know, she got to a point where she kind of was like throwing her nose up. And she's such a snob. Yeah. And, but now, <laughs> Now, and I, we were, nope, no way. And we, but the problem was we had other hay in the barn that she was able to see. She was able to see that alf, the dry alfalfa and stuff. And she knew, and she'd always look like, literally look over there like, nah, I want that. I want that. When right. am I getting that? So we cleared it all out. There isn't a piece of dry hay on our property. And that was it. And now these horses bang the door down when we walk out there to feed him. And in fact, I've never seen a horse drool and I was messing with her sitting there and she's sitting there licking her chops, licking her chops. And I'm like, Oh, do you want your chaff? Hey, do you, this big, huge glob of drool just. <laughs> I wish we had I, that on video. I know. I, That'd be great. I, I, I said the same thing. I said, Oh man, I've been trying to, in fact, I want to try and grab it again and video it and just let that, yeah. Glob of drool come down because it was sexy, right? yeah. yes, right. it was hilarious though. That's you know? how I look at a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how the the whole chaff hay thing came about. And we had a couple other friends. Uh, we had one friend that you know, because you're like, what are you guys feeding? Oh, you guys are feeding them this. Uh, what would they, what'd they call it? Chaffy hay. Oh, oh they love to call it chaffy hay. But, Shufa. Um, it's always called like the bougie diet or something like that, or I can't remember. <laughs> designer, food, oh, designer, designer. Oh, you there guys you are feeding designer feed now, and we're like, yeah, Basically. sure, okay. But maybe we should change the bag up to like a Louis Vuitton look. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what we need to. But um, you know, and then we got one. She, they're like, okay, well, let me try it. One of our friends, and she ended up having just a ton of success. Victoria. Oh, yeah. she. The, you guys sent us yeah, those pictures yeah, of the colic pictures. stones and all of this crazy stuff. Yeah, she had to go ahead. What yeah. No, I'm just, I'm, oh. it's it's always fun and rewarding when whenever we get to talk to people that have seen successes on anything that you do, whatever we produce, if it's wine grapes, you know, I don't know what your success is, but <clears throat> maybe it's not a bad hangover. Uh, whatever, whatever <laughs> it could be, it's just neat to see our product go to somebody that's truly passionate about. And, and I want to say thank you to both of you because it yeah, means the know. world to us for what you guys have, have uh, done. You guys, this has been, uh, we love it. We love the hay and you guys have been a great bunch of people. I have such a friend. It's so, it's fun to do this with good people and friendly people from, you know, MJ has been awesome. Everybody that we have met, Leslie, doesn't matter. Whole team. The whole team, Johnny, uh, amazing, you know, and that's what makes it, it fun. Um, I love seeing my friends and especially the horses being able to help a horse and help people. And then they, they're, they even then they're saying, Oh, my riding's getting easier. You know, it's nice. It's, you know, Hey, this makes me feel, it makes us feel good when we get those stories, you know, and just as like, guys, like we can pass them back around to you guys. You know, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Right. It just makes you feel, it's, it feels good. Yeah, period. sure. So wrapping things up, you, you came to the farm, you got out here yesterday. Yes. And what you see on, on our social media, what do you, what's your, what's your 30,000 foot view now that your boots on the ground at the farm? What do you think of this place? I'm, I think it's, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's cool. I mean, to go out there and really, now I'm really there hands on, you know, with Brandon out there telling us about things that we just, you know, you just don't even think about and, you know, how the alfalfa has grown and how everything's done, why it's done a certain way. And how it's, it's a science, you know, you take that for granted too. just the things that you guys go through and stuff. It's a real science and the way you do things and how it's done. It's not just, you're not just growing stuff and chopping it down, but you know, let's not, don't ever over, don't have it, anybody ever oversimplify it to that and let that be it because it isn't. So definitely been an experience. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> been fun. We, we both got back and I'm like, that was a good time. I, I walking out in a hay field. That that was a good time. We're gonna to do some more that. walking and some fills today, so that way you guys, you know, at least get a good sunburn before you before you go back to more sun. <laughs> um, I always close with one question. Shoot, what's your biggest fear in life? Truthfully, yeah. What's your biggest fear? <laughs> Not being able to support my family properly if something bad happens. That's always on my mind. Oh, 
being a small business owner. You know, that's that's what's in truthfully, that's what's in my my, my sure. scare. That's what I worry about yeah. pretty much on a daily. Absolutely. So just, you know, that's what COVID, COVID scared me a little bit. There's no doubt that when we were start, when I'm sitting there, no emails are coming through. I'm sitting in a dark office with all my machines shut down. Okay. Where is this going to go? What's going to happen? You know? And so those, that's, that's what my, my, besides your, your death or somebody dying or something like that. But you want to talk about something that, you know, every day, you know, you kind of think about it's in the back of your head is that providing for your providing family. For your family. That's mine. That's me. Kim? I would, I would say it's pretty much the same. I mean, it's, I feel like uh, once we had kids, that's your top priority. You want to, in fact, the first time we ever flown on a plane together was on this trip. And that's been a big role because, God forbid, if something happens, that's both of us. And then our yeah. kids are by themselves. So it's the that's We both were nervous about that. You know, I'm just, a worrier. She's, yeah, she's a wor- She does. I can work. We need to make a chaffe for people so that way it'll calm me down. Oh my God. You don't know how many people are like, I need chaffe. Victoria, for sure. She (laughs) could be on that. Her husband asked her to eat it. (laughs) Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. (laughs) Dan, you have anything else you want to throw in there? No, no, I think uh, it's all very good. Interesting conversation. I got to to learn a little bit about the casino world. I still suck at gambling and I'm going to make sure that I don't get into that lifestyle. we're going to have to like, what are we doing? Are we making a top for this thing? So or let's, something? let's, what are we doing? let's, let's, let's go down that road for a second. I, I would love an out here in the middle felt top just for, for this thing. So, um, we got the marketing team here, drop some ideas, see what it's going to do. And let's, let's get a table coming out here. Yeah, we can do it. We'll only yeah. use it for podcasts. We will not play. Of course not. not. I will. I mean, unless it's for pesos. <laughs> <laughs> I was always the first guy naked at the table. <laughs> Not very good at strip poker. That's either. when you want to let Jay win. On yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> That'll blind you. Well, from all of us out here uh, in the middle, from the farm, from Chaffe, we just appreciate your support and listening. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Be sure to go by and check out our sponsors. We're so grateful for the people that stand behind us, American Made Products. Uh, and, and all the people that make up the teams, uh, Christian and Kim, thank you so much for traveling all the way out here to see us. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for the support. Uh, we wish you the well and, and wish you well in the rest of 2020. And uh, and we can't look forward soon enough to you guys coming back out and seeing Absolutely. us again. Absolutely. Thank you guys thank so you. much. Have a good day and God bless.